Joshua chapter 5 this morning. Joshua chapter 5. I faced a rough crowd yesterday at JBQ, never expecting it. Joshua faced a rough crowd. And Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. Amen. Some of you are trying to figure out where Joshua is in your Bible. I'm watching you right now. Amen. (laughs) Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. You got it? Real good. Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Amen. Young people, you're cool. I know you're cool. There's a Bible in front of you. In the rack. Pull it out. At least hold it. We're going to believe for osmosis. There you go. There you go. So if you got your smartphones, make me a believer though. I believe in the real book. Okay, get the book. There you go. You're doing, you're doing good. Excellent. There's something about the book. There you go. Amen. Joshua chapter 5 verse 13. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. Put yourself in Joshua's shoes. Joshua was the key to the promised land. Jericho. It was an impregnable, immovable, unconquerable, strategic city. You could not conquer the promised land without first conquering Jericho. It blocked the pathway into the promised land. The promised land was God's best for His people. They had a choice. They could conquer their Jericho and enjoy promised land living God's best for their lives. Or they could stay put at the Jordan River. Oh yeah, they weren't going to go back to wilderness living. They weren't going to go backwards, but they weren't going to go forwards either. They could be stuck in neutral at Jericho. Jericho was the seed of perversion in the ancient world. God said it was an abomination to him. Archaeology has verified this and proved it. Unbelievable. My uncle, Ph.D. in Hebrew and a renowned archaeologist, said that the perversion, the pornography was so bad, engraved, carved on the walls in Jericho, they had to shield them from the workers. It was a satanic stronghold. Its walls were a double wall system. The walls of Jericho were seven feet wide. The first series of walls were six feet, 16 feet high, seven feet wide, and then another wall on top of that, eight feet high, 24 feet. It would be like the curved wall, the new curved wall we have out here in our expansion. Jericho. The Israelites had no experience in conquering these fortified fortress cities. They didn't have siege machines. They were slaves and the son of slaves. So Jericho was impregnable. Jericho was invincible. Jericho was impossible. I'm speaking to a soul right now this morning. 
you are facing a Jericho. You are facing something that the enemy has clothed up in a lie, a deception. And the enemy would like to say to you, you're going to live with that forever. You're never going to fulfill your divine destiny. You're going to have to put up with that addiction, that habit, that blockage, that bondage. There is no hope. That's an active point of satanic resistance. I'll talk about that in a moment. It's a stronghold. It's a, you're Jericho. It consumes your thoughts. You wake up with it in the morning. You go to bed with it at night. It saps you of your spiritual strength. Your Jericho would like to keep you from God's best. It would like to keep you from victory. It would like to keep you from joy. It stands in your way. The enemy would like to lull you to sleep and say, ha, ah, you, you can sleep in the shadow of your Jericho, but that's not God's will. Like Joshua, you can see it. You are facing it. And all of us are facing Jerichos. But God's got a plan. I said God's got a plan this morning. And His plan is our glorious commander. I want you to lift up your eyes with me this morning. And I want you to see our glorious commander like you've never seen him before. As we get ready for Easter, I want to give you three fresh revelations of our Jesus. Uh, I want you to see him as commander. I want you to see him as Christ. And I want you to see him as soon coming king. Pray with me, Father, even right now, as we hold the word of God in our hands, we declare, Lord, we believe it. We receive it. That settles it. And Lord, we're going to act upon it in the name of Jesus. Lord, we declare your word is our word. We declare, Lord, we're going to let your word rule our lives. In the name of Jesus, we speak this. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. Joshua 5.13, I want to read it again with you this morning. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him. Would you write it down with me this morning if you'd like to follow along and take notes? Joshua lifted his eyes and he saw a man. Who is this man that Joshua saw? Well, let's eliminate some things. This man was not an apparition. This man was not Casper the friendly ghost. He was not the piece of pizza that Joshua had the night before. He was not a spirit. He was not a vision. He had a muscle that held a sword, a real sword. He had bone. He had flesh. Uh, this was not an apparition, not a vision. This man that Joshua saw, hear me in this, was not was not an angel. Angels do not receive worship. This one will receive the worship and the praise of Joshua. This one was not mortal. He's not another man, not another human being. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot believe that Joshua would be hoodwinked to, to lie down on the ground and reverence and worship a, a, a human being of flesh and blood. That leaves only one other option. If this man wasn't mortal, if he wasn't an angel, if he wasn't an apparition, then who is this capital M-A-N who stands with Joshua with his sword lifted up on high? Who is this man? My Bible and your Bible says his name is Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
Prince of Peace. He is the Great I Am. He is the El Shaddai, the Almighty One. Hallelujah. He is Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord God that healeth thee. He is Jehovah Nisi, our leader and our victor. He is the Son of the Most High. He's revealed Himself as the Great I Am. He is the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Alpha and the Omega, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and is worthy of all of our praise, our honor, our worship here this morning. Would you give him praise and glory, our glorious commander? Hallelujah. Amen. Theologically, theologically, we call this a theophany. Say theophany with me. Theophany. This is a manifestation, a revelation of the pre-incarnate Christ. Before Christ became Jesus, born of Mary in Bethlehem, the pre-incarnate Christ who is eternal, who has no beginning, has no ending, who always has been and always will be, the pre-incarnate Christ showed up in the Old Testament. Remember, he showed up with Abraham and Sarah and had lunch with them and ate lunch with them. He showed up on Mount Sinai and walked and talked with Moses as Moses said, show me your glory. Remember when the three Hebrew young men were thrown into the fiery furnace and King Nebuchadnezzar looked at them in the furnace and said as he looked into the fire, I see one, I see two, I see three, and I see a fourth man like the Son of God. And now the pre-incarnate Christ shows up here with Joshua in Joshua's most dire despairing hour, his crisis hour, this man, our glorious commander, shows up. He always shows up at the right time, the right place, and in our right need. Amen? And the Bible says that Joshua lifted up his eyes. I want to ask you a question this morning. Which way are you looking? Which way are you looking? Many people go throughout life looking the wrong way. Some people go through life looking sideways. They're constantly comparing themselves to others. The way they appear, the way they dress, the car they drive, the house they live in, the marriage, the children that they have, they're comparing. And comparisons are unscriptural, they're ungodly, they're unholy. Comparisons kill. Some people live life looking backwards. They live in the rearview mirror of life. And they beat themselves up with self-condemnation over something that God has forgiven them and forgotten of them 23 years ago. Some people live life not just looking backward, they look downward. They always got a negative word. Oh, the sky is falling. Things are going to get worse before they get better. Oh, would you pray for me? I just, I just can't win the victory ever. Oh my. It's negative, negative, negative. And it's no wonder they're in a bondage of depression as they live life looking downward. Again, people can look sideways. They can look backward. They can look downward. Well, bless God, pastor. I'm always living life forward focused. Yeah, you're living forward focused on your Jericho. You eat it. You drink it. You sleep it. 
You live on WebMD looking up new symptoms for the sicknesses and the diseases that you have. You're the one that called me the other day and said you've discovered by living on the internet that you have some exotic disease. You're just sure of it that they just found in the Amazonian jungles. You live with a calculator trying to always calculate how much money you're going to have to pay the bills. Your Jericho is living with a calculator wondering how much money you're going to have for retirement. How much money you're going to have for your next car. You're consumed by. You're forward focused on your Jericho. God's will for you, honey, is not to live life looking downward or backward or even forward, but upward. Lift up your eyes from whence cometh your help and your salvation. For our help, the psalmist says in Psalms 112, our help cometh from the Lord. Hallelujah. Psalms 121, I will lift up my eyes. How do you want to live? I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, uh, we want to keep our eyes on Jesus. Uh, we want to lift up our eyes. Amen. Catch a fresh new revelation of who your Lord is. He has come as our glorious commander. Amen. Secondly, this morning, fill in the blank with me when we see life, and especially our Jerichos, the way God sees them, we move with a new way of looking. A new way of perceiving. We move in favor vision. I call it favor vision. You see, Jerichos are active points of satanic resistance in our lives. Jerichos, they're barriers keeping you from God's best, keeping you from a bright and glorious future, keeping you from your divine destiny. Jerichos, they stand in our way of living under God's favor, His blessing, the prosperity He wants for us. Strongholds are bound up in satanic lies. Strongholds are always bound up in satanic, demonic deception. Satan wants you to see your Jericho as impregnable, invincible, impossible, hopeless. He wants you to stop praying for a better marriage. He wants you to stop believing for a miracle in your health. He wants you to stop believing that God's going to open up doors for your divine destiny. But what's God's will for our strongholds? What's God's will for our Jerichos? Paul said it best in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Paul said, for though we walk in the flesh, we, hear, hear us, slewfoot, hear us, enemy, halls of hell, we put you on notice. We walk, uh, yes, in the flesh, but we don't war after the flesh. The weapons of our warfare, they're not man-made, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. It's God's will for strongholds to be pulled down. It's not God's will for you to remodel, to renovate, to recarpet, to repaint, uh, to, to, to be able to do a new stronghold. It's God's will for you to Pull down your strongholds. Please be aware of that. Favor vision. Favor vision. When you lift up your eyes to our glorious commander, you see your Jerichos the way he sees them. Now you have a choice. You can see your Jerichos the way the world sees it, the way you see it, or the way God wants you to see it. I don't know about you, but I want to have his vision. I want to have his uh, perspective on the issues of my life, the battles of my life, the Jerichos of my life. 
How did God see Jericho? How did God see Jericho before the children of Israel ever marched around it? The answer is in Joshua 6.2. God said, Jericho and its king and all its mighty warriors are what? Already defeated. For I have given them to you. How does God want you to see a problem marriage? How does God want you to see your disease? How does God want you to see your finances? How does God want you to see your future? He wants you to see that sickness as healed. He wants you to see your marriage as whole and blessed. He wants you to see your future as bright and and as promising and as prosperous as He would prosper. He wants you to see your life as favored, as glorious. The joy of the Lord be in your strength. He wants to see you in promised land living. Amen. There's two ways of seeing. Will you see as He sees? Will you have favor vision? Will you see your Jericho walls pulled down in the name of Jesus? Will you see prosperity instead of poverty? Will you see health instead of sickness? Will you see marital wholeness instead of discord? God's strategy for favor vision is shouts of praise. Praise and worship. What keeps me aligned Unto our Lord, what keeps my eyes on Jesus instead of my Jerichos? What I have found in my life and what I find in the Word of God is praise and worship. Praise and worship. I know those are familiar terms. I know you've seen it before. I know you've heard it before. I know maybe you've done it even now this morning during our song service time. But God's calling Lakeside to a new level in Him. God is calling us to overdrive. You've been in first gear. You've been in second gear. You've been in third gear. But God is calling His church to high praises. Uh, high praises. High praises. A high praise unto the Lord. A shout of faith will take down your Jericho walls. It will maintain favor vision. It will pull down strongholds. God's power to destroy active satanic resistance. Let everything that hath breath, let's praise the Lord as never before. Amen. Amen. Listen, my foot's bad, but my spirit ain't. (laughs) We're preaching God's Word here this morning. Verses 13 and 14, And it came to pass, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted his eyes, and he looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us? Or for our adversaries. And so the man said what? No. But as commander of the army of the Lord. Hallelujah. I could preach a whole sermon just right on that. I want you to note. I want you to notice how our our Lord appeared to Joshua. He didn't appear as a gentle shepherd. He didn't appear as meek and mild Jesus. But he appeared as our glorious commander. Hallelujah. Now I know I might be talking to somebody this morning. You don't like, you don't like, you don't like this revelation of Jesus. You want Jesus meek and mild. You want him gentle shepherd. 
I want to remind you, when Joshua was in the hour of battle, when Joshua was facing his Jericho, as many are facing here this morning, our Lord didn't reveal Himself as some effeminate creature with rosy cheeks and girlish curls. He didn't come wiggling as He walked. When our Lord God shows up in the midst of a fight, in the midst of a battle, He reveals Himself as mighty warrior, equipped for the fight. He comes as the strong Son of God who's never lost a battle. He doesn't know retreat. He doesn't know defeat. He is our mighty God. And let there be none other that would think otherwise. And our mighty warrior, as Elizabeth said this morning, has come to be with us. He doesn't direct the battle from heaven. He doesn't sit in the comfortable zone of His throne and direct the battle long distance. Get a hold of this. He comes armed to fight alongside of us. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. When Becky and I, back in 2014, had the privilege of, of me preaching for the General Council of the Italian Assemblies of God for the nation of Italy, we had a week of touring the city of Rome. How many have ever been on the buses of Rome? How many? Any here this week? Okay, we got a couple, yeah. We're not talking sitting back in your seat. We're talking about standing in wall-to-wall flesh. Ooh, that hurt. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, you are just pressed against the, 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 the bodies of humanity. And Becky had already, a guy had already tried to pickpocket with her. And so I told her, you stay close to me. You stick with me. You hold my hand. And I was holding her hand tight. And she tightened her grip on me. And I thought, you know, just subconsciously, I thought, boy, man, her hand's getting calloused. <laughs> I thought, man, the old gray Mary and what she used to be. And uh, wow, the, the, uh, this toughened, hardened hand. Whoa, it, man, she's squeezing here. What in the world is she doing? And I looked down. I am not holding my wife's hand. I'm holding this shorty Italian guy's hand who's looking up at me just grinning. (laughs) Sir, brother, man, I don't mind shaking your hands, but I don't want to hold your hand. But I do want to hold the hand of the man who walked upon the waters. I want to hold the hand of the man who rose up in the midst of the storm and said, Peace, be still. I want to hold the hand of the one who spoke to demons and they were cast out. Who raised the dead. Who caused the lame to walk and the blind to see. Do you want to hold his hand? He has come as your mighty warrior. He will never fail you. He will never forsake you. Listen, he is not weak upon his throne. He has not become deaf of ear. The Bible says his ear is not so heavy. He cannot 
here. His arm is not so short that he cannot reach. He's come on down and he's come as our glorious commander to hold your hand and to hold my hand and together we enjoy the victory. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Oh, I love preaching in here. The other two services, they lost an hour of sleep. And boy, they acted like it too. Oh, it's good to preach in here. Hallelujah. 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 The appearance, write it down. The appearance of our glorious commander to Joshua reveals that there was both a seen and an unseen battle at Jericho. Are you aware of this? I've already said that it was a satanic stronghold. A pornographic, perverted stronghold of sin. Get a hold of this. When the two spies went into Jericho, who did they, what house, what kind of house did they have to choose to sleep in overnight? Because Jericho was so sinful and so perverse. What kind of house? A house of prostitution. That's how bad it was. And God saved the madam of the house of prostitution. That's what God can do. Amen. The scene. Who were the scene? Armies. On the plain of Jericho. Oh, the Canaanite army and the Israelite army. But there were two unseen armies. The forces of heaven and the forces of hell. You need to be aware of salvation history within the Bible. The first sin was committed where? First sin was not committed in the garden. It was committed in heaven. Lucifer rebelled against God and he took with him how many, how many of heaven's angels? One third. Don't ever tell me God doesn't understand your broken hearted betrayal that you've had to deal with. God knows all about betrayal and rejection. One third of the angels shook their fist at God. They were infected with the, the rebellion of Satan and went off with Lucifer. There are 33 different titles and names of Satan in your Bible. And each one describes a strategy, a way for Satan to attack you and to bring you down. If he can't bring you into his camp, onto his side, then this is what his strategy is. To put you to sleep, Christian. To nullify you. To paralyze you with self-doubt. To paralyze and immobilize you with depression, despair, and a sense of defeat. If he can't bring you over to his side. Listen, he cannot attack God directly. Don't you even put Lucifer on the same level as God. Lucifer is a created being. So what does Lucifer and the forces of hell do? They attack God's children. The love of God's heart. If you want to break my heart, if you want to really hurt me, listen, I'm an old soccer warrior. And we can do rough and tumble. I'm not afraid of it. But if you want to break my heart, touch my children. Satan and the forces of hell go after the children of God, the love of God's heart. All, all of God's creation are His children. And it breaks his heart when he sees what Satan does. Two forces, two armies, 
unseen in the spiritual world. Paul put it this way in Ephesians 6.12, for we are not fighting against people made of flesh and blood. Some of you think that your problem is your parents. Some of you think the problem is that daughter. Some of you think your problem, your greatest problem in your life is your husband, your wife. Let me tell you something. You're not fighting with flesh and blood. You're not fighting with flesh and blood. Many of you, your lives are filled with depression because you're so hateful. You're so angry at that one who has stolen your joy and stolen your future. Stop getting ang- Start getting angry at the devil. Start getting angry at the forces of hell in the name of Jesus. That's holy anger. That's righteous indignation. Paul says, we're not fighting against people made of flesh and blood, but against persons without bodies, the evil rulers of the unseen world, those mighty satanic beings and great evil princes of darkness who rule this world and against huge numbers of wicked spirits in the spirit world. Did you see that there? God, what? Pastor, Jesus, what are we going to do? Listen, read the book, read the book, read the end of the book. Hallelujah. The end of the Bible doesn't end in a whimper. It ends in a roar. We're on the winning side. Listen, our God is greater. My Bible says if God be for us, who can be against us? And we've got a greater army. Yes, Satan got one third, but God's got Two-thirds, do a little math. His army, our army, is a greater army. And not only do we have a greater God, not only do we have a greater army, not only can we say there are more for us than against us, but we have mighty spiritual weapons. Hallelujah. Read again what Paul said in 2 Corinthians. For the weapons of our warfare are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are these weapons? We have the shield of faith. We have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have the power of prayer. We have the power of high praises. And listen, let there be no doubt, there's still Holy Ghost power in the name of Jesus. There's power in His Spirit. There's power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. All hail the power of Jesus' name. Let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown Him. Crown Him. Crown Him. Lord of all. Lord of all. And that's what He is. Yes, I know Satan has power. Some of you remind me about it all the time. Yeah, I know he has power, but he has no authority in your home in your marriage, in your finances, in your health. He has no right being there. Who has all authority? Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. How much does that leave old Slewfoot? Zero. Nada. Zilch. Nothing. Joshua 5.13 And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? So he said, No. But as commander of the army of the Lord. And then the next four words. It so lit a fire in my spirit yesterday preparing for this word 
that I just broke down crying and lifted up my hands and began loving Jesus. Listen, our commander in chief doesn't sit in the safety zone of heaven directing the battles of our life. But what does he personally do? Our mighty warrior personally, our commander in chief, our glorious commander says unto you and I, I have now come. When God shows up at church. (laughs) It's not church anymore. It's not business as usual. It is a Holy Ghost revival. I have now come. When he walks into your hospital room. Hallelujah. We rise up from that bed of affliction. I have now come. Divorce proceedings end. They cease. And marriages are mended. Demons scream in terror. And the dead uh, are raised to new life. I have now come. I have not just come to fight, uh, but Joshua, you're being replaced. I'm the commander of the armies of the Lord. For this battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. The battle is mine, saith the Lord. Honey, sir, ma'am, young person, you will never ever face your Jericho alone. He has come. He's holding you by your hand. He is with you. He says in Ephesians 1.22, He says this to us in Ephesians 1.22, Tech Booth, He says, I am in charge of it all and I have the final word on everything. In Hebrews 1, He says to us, I sustain everything by the mighty power of my command. Listen, our Jesus only needs to lift up one finger and millions of angels flood and invade the darkness of our situation. Hallelujah. Our Lord. Our Lord. I'm talking about our glorious, glorious commander. There was a terrible flood moving in upon a town where a pious woman lived. And this super spiritual pious woman When the sheriff pulled up at her house, the flood waters were rising. She said, don't worry about me. As the sheriff said, you got to get out now. The flood is coming. She said, God will take care of me. Coast Guard came in a boat. They said, you've got to get out now. As she ran to her second story, they said, you've got to jump out of that window, jump in her boat. You're going to die. She says, it's going to be all right. I prayed and God is going to take care of me. She ran to her rooftop as the flood waters were rising. She was holding on to her chimney. The Coast Guard sent now a helicopter. They said, you got to get out of there or you're going to die. She said, I've prayed and God is going to save me. Well, she drowned. She went to heaven. She was angry. She said, God, why? 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 I believed. I believed. And you didn't show up. And I drowned. He says, what do you mean? I didn't show up. I showed up with the sheriff. I showed up with a boat. And I showed up with a helicopter. And you denied all three. Listen, the glorious commander says, I have now come. He might come. As you're reading your devotions early in the morning and speak to your heart as He's spoken to many of you. He might come in a Word and Spirit conference and give you a prophetic word right down here at this altar. Or He might come and you might be walking down the aisle and saying, I'm not going down. I'm not going down. I'm not going. I've never gone down. And before you're even touched, 
boom, <laughs> you're knocked down by the presence of the Lord. And God is doing His Holy Ghost spiritual surgery in your life. Uh, he might come through the preaching of His Word as I'm preaching here this morning. He might come as a kind uh, friend in God who comes when you're at your point of need. And it might be a simple home-cooked meal. Or I had an angel visit me last night in my office and brought me soup from the boomers soup party and celebration last night. He's going to come. He's going to come. Count on it. He said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Lastly, Joshua 5.14, And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot, for the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. Joshua did so. Get a hold of that if you would. The Bible says that Joshua worshipped. Joshua praised the Lord. Amen. This supernatural encounter brought two responses. Joshua responded with worship. And our Lord responded with, take off your shoes. Joshua responded with worship. The Lord responded with, take off your shoes. I want you to get a hold of this. Joshua is in turmoil. He's never taken on an impregnable fortress. He is the son of a slave, and, and, and most of the people that he is leading have, have uh, either been slaves or sons of slaves. They don't have siege uh, weapons. They don't have catapults. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He sees a man with a drawn sword who says, I am the commander-in-chief of the angel armies of heaven. Then... Joshua falls down and begins to worship the Lord because praise, praise will usher you into the presence of the Lord. Praise will make a way where there seems to be no way. Praise will release you from the chains that seem to bind you. Praise will take the gloom from your midnight hour and make it glorious. Praise will cause you to magnify your Lord instead of your Jerichos. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And then Joshua says, okay, my glorious commander, what's the strategy? What's the battle plan? What are your orders? Joshua is imagining some type of battering ram. But God says, take off your shoes. Now I want you to get a hold of this. Before the Lord is going to bring a victory in Jericho, He wants to bring a victory in Joshua. (laughs) Before the Lord is going to reveal His glory in a Jericho, He's going to reveal His glory to a Joshua. (laughs) The victory at Jericho was really won when the shoes came off. 
When the Lord said, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. That wasn't chastisement. That wasn't correction. That was invitation. Joshua, you've heard my word before. Joshua, you've praised me before. Joshua, you've lifted up your hands before. But Joshua, I want you to go to a new dimension, a new level in me. I want you to know me. I don't want anything separating you from me. I want you to move into a new anointing. I know at the Word and Spirit conference, God did a new thing for you. But this morning, the Lord wants to do a a new thing in you. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. 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 Take off your shoes. Know me. Experience my holiness. Experience my glory. Experience my person. Know the power of my resurrection and the fellowship of my sufferings. Oh, honey, stand up right now. Sir, stand up right now. Brothers and sisters, stand up right now. God's calling us to a new level in Him. Amen. Yesterday's anointing won't do. Yesterday's blessing won't do. Amen. Many of you, God is healing you. But you have not yet arrived at total healing. Healing in the Bible is both instantaneous and it's progressive. Some of you think, uh, hey, I've been walking with God for 81 years. And then God, bam, does something fresh. Does something new. Are you settling between Jordan River and Jericho? And not receiving God's best? Are you getting comfortable with Jericho standing in your way? Or this morning, do you want to take off your shoes? And there's something more. There's something new. There's something fresh. For some of you, it might be just lifting up your hands. You've never lifted up your hands in praise and worship. And maybe that's taking off your shoes for you. For some of you, maybe that's uh, a shout. (laughs) Let me tell you. It's not a shout until it's out. (laughs) A shout of faith. A shout of hallelujah. Amen. It's an outward expression of an inward confidence that my God reigns. Hallelujah. There it is. Maybe, maybe, maybe taking off your shoes for you is God wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking other tongues. God wants to give you a new prayer language. God wants to give you a new praise language. God wants to do something fresh in you. If that's you this morning, and you're not content with where you're at spiritually, and you want more, you're thirsty for more, and you're willing to do what the Lord asks you to do, come on down and join me right now. Come on down here and join me. Pastor Rennie, you need to help me real quick. Come on down and join me. Amen. Join me. Fill up this altar right now. Amen. If you want to camp in the shadow of Jericho, then stay where you're at. Amen. Amen. You're not going to go back to wilderness, but you're not going to conquer your Jericho either. Amen. In just a few moments, Cindy's going to lead us in praise and worship. Cindy, don't lead us in song. Lead us in praise and worship. Don't lead us in a song service. Lead us in worship. Because God wants to do a new thing. God wants to do a fresh thing. Amen. God's not done with it. Word and Spirit Conference is not done. Hallelujah. (laughs) 
We're pressing on. We're pressing in. We're pressing in. Are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do? Are you willing to do whatever God asks you to do? Many of the pastors, many of the elders, we anoint with oil. We anoint with oil. Please press in. Pastors, you need to be helping me. Please, please press in so people can get in. Pastor Hal, you need to be up here on the steps. Amen. Praise the Lord. Press in. The anointing oil. Is the anointing oil magical? Is there power in the anointing oil? Yes or no? No. The anointing oil represents the person, the presence, the power of the Holy Spirit in lives. It's what it represents. I'm going to do, have you do something right now. I'm going to invite you to do something that is representative. Nothing magical about it, but what it represents. I'm not going to command you. It doesn't mean you're less spiritual if you decide not to do it. I'm going to invite you to take off your shoes. I would invite you to take off your shoes. I'm going to invite you to take off your shoes. It's going to represent, it's going to symbolize, Lord, I'm thirsty. Lord, I want more. 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 Lord, I want nothing separating me from holy ground. Nothing separating me from your presence. Lord, I want more. You can put those shoes on the steps. You can put those shoes under a pew. Amen. I want more. Cindy, lead us this morning. Would you lead us? Oh, lift up your hands. Worship in spirit and in truth. Let our hearts be as true as we come and worship. 